Welcome to the Ignite Lehigh Valley podcast. We are coming to you today from a candidate's event in Upper Mukunji. I am today's host, Emmanuel Van Vliet. Ignite Lehigh Valley is intended to call attention to relevant political issues of the day. It is meant to be a resource for information for local Lehigh Valley voters. Our goal in the podcast is to inform the audience on topics of interest, provide a forum for state and local democratic candidates. The Ignite Lehigh Valley podcast is brought to you by the East Penn Democratic Club. The East Penn Democratic Club is a political action organization serving Pennsylvania's Lehigh Valley. Our goal is to be a conduit for our community, institutions, organizations, and individuals into democratic forums, policy development, and candidates. Our focus is on local politics, but expect that our impact will be felt nationwide. We would like to invite our audience to get in cage with Ignite Lehigh Valley. If you have a topic of interest to you, or you'd like to find out how you can become a sponsor, drop us a note at the East Penn Democratic Club email at info at eastpendemocraticclub.org or find us and like us on Facebook at East Penn Democratic Club. All proceeds will support East Penn Democratic Club. As we're getting into the swing of election season, today we have another guest in our series with Democratic candidates in Port PA seats. We would like to give voters a chance to hear our candidates and their positions and provide our excellent candidates a chance to reach voters. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Michael Lehar Jr., who is running for state representative of PA's 187th district, which includes Kutztown, Lyons, Maxitani, Heidelberg, Low Hill, Lynn, North Whitehall, Upper Mekanji, and Weisenberg. Welcome, Michael. Hi, thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. Tell us a little about yourself, your background, what's important to you. Okay, yeah. Um, so I grew up in the Lehigh Valley, um, Lehigh Valley resident, resident of Kutztown currently. Um, I was born in Allentown, Pennsylvania, grew up in Palmerton, PA, which is in Carbon County. And uh, that's where I spent a lot of my time doing, growing up, doing the work that I was doing. I went on to study political science at Kutztown University uh, and graduated last year with my bachelor's degree. Um, but it was during that time that I've done a lot of the work that led me to where I am now. So uh, during my time at Kutztown, I was very involved in LGBT advocacy, women's rights, sexual assault prevention and advocacy. I served on our council of trustees. Um, I was a part of the national It's On Us campaign. And I served in a variety of roles that were both local and regional and brought progressive issues to the forefront. What is the It's On Us campaign? So the It's On Us campaign was founded four years ago by President Joe Biden and uh, Vice President Joe Biden and President Barack Obama, sorry. Um, and basically it implements initiatives on college campuses across the nation to tackle sexual violence and to end it once for all. So it engages young men on college campuses to address the culture. Um, so whether that be organizing events, creating change. So I've been very involved both as a national leader and a regional leader, helping students bring this to their campus to create some change. That's very timely. Um, and, and how do you feel that impacts all the communities, not just women, but men as well, and the LGBT community altogether? Right. So obviously we know sexual assault and sexual violence is something that can affect people regardless of their gender identity, their sexual orientation. Um, people with disabilities are affected by sexual violence every day. And I think it's important for us to recognize that in this current climate that we have the Me Too movement and everything happening, you know, with Kavanaugh and stuff, I think it's very important to listen to all the different voices that are advocating on this issue and are affected by this issue. 
is there something that you feel we should do going forward, not necessarily people who are in college or university, but you know, people with young kids, you know, how do people with young kids sort of deal with this issue and inform them? Right, so it starts with uh, small things. You know, a lot of sexual violence revolves around the lack of consent and the lack of respect for someone else. Um, it's all about this power and control over another individual. And we can teach kids at a very early age very simple things, you know, don't just go up and hug someone if they don't want to be hugged, you know, ask them, is it okay for me to hug you? Um, simple, small things like that to get this idea in, in young people's minds and to get them thinking about it as they get older, keeping the discussion going. I mean, I've been a sexual violence and intimate partner violence advocate for the last six years, and families are affected by this issue. Young kids are affected by this issue, and we need legislatures to kind of understand that so they can enact laws, support policies that help families or individuals experiencing these things get um, get some help. So. Do you feel this is adequately addressed in sort of high school or even middle school or even grade school? I certainly do not think it's adequately addressed at all. Um, you know, the sex education that students receive in, in high school and even middle school is very, very basic. You know, simple things like what are STDs, what are all of these. But they should be talking about what does a healthy relationship look like? What does consent look like? Um, how do you get consent? Those are important discussions. And yeah, sometimes they're a little uncomfortable, but we have to have them. And we also need to understand that there's people who aren't always in heterosexual relationships. And we need to include those in the discussion as well. So what do you say to someone who says, well, that's no fun. Talking about consent is like no fun. It seems not very spontaneous. Yeah, so um, because I've done a lot of education around this, uh, it can be a boring topic, but if you make it fun and engaging, there's this one video I always like to share. It's about comparing consent to tea. And basically, you know, it, it just shares in a funny way. Okay, you wouldn't pour tea down someone's throat if they were passed out or sleeping. You know, it's, it's this idea of just like tea, you would want to give consent. And that's on YouTube, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can easily find it. Yeah. Okay. So of all the things that you worked on as a community leader and the issues and your activities have addressed, which do you feel are your greatest achievements? Um, so there's a lot of things that I have done, but certainly the things that I am most proud of is my advocacy work with um, the LGBT community and the work that I've done for gender equality. When I was on uh, Kutztown's Council of Trustees, um, after the Trump election, after Trump was elected, we had a lot of hate groups coming to campus who were spreading negative messaging, and students were affected by that. And what students didn't understand is we were a public institution at Kutztown, they were allowed to be there, but that didn't negate the fact that they felt affected by the words that were being shared. So as a trustee, I worked with our president to establish a bias response task force that will notify the campus community when something's happening on campus, but provide a network of support for students, especially those from the most marginalized communities. Now, you mentioned that the It's On Us campaign was something that was driven by Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. So that's a federal type of program. But how do you feel like all of these issues you've worked on are represented in Harrisburg? So at a state level, how is that handled? Yeah, so obviously there's a lot of ways in which it can be handled right now. Uh, Pennsylvania is one of the first state, and I believe the only one that's an it's on us state. So what that means is institutions of higher education, there's now a grant 
that they can apply for. So colleges and universities across PA have applied for this grant that have allowed them to do sexual assault prevention uh, programming. And there's also an It's On Us legislative package um, that's being introduced that will allow for a better streamlining of reporting methods, um, provide better support networks for survivors and people who are affected by um, domestic and sexual violence, not just in higher education, but in our communities as well. Is there a moment or an event in your life that brought you to this point of running for state legislator and how do you think you can improve on the job being performed now? Yeah, so I like to think that my roots were really what drove me to, to be where I'm at. Um, you know, I grew up in a poor family, working class, understood that government assistance was super helpful to my family in keeping us afloat, but also as an openly gay person facing discrimination, I understood that government had a significant impact in protecting the interests and freedoms of not just Pennsylvanians, but Americans at large. Um, in this past primary, I was elected to the Berks County Democratic Committee by a write-in vote that I wrote in myself. Uh, so I like to credit that to my jump start into politics. Pat yourself on the back for right, that one. Right, right. <laughs> um, but the real reason why I was running is because as a resident of the 187th, I've noticed that the representation was not transparent, um, that people didn't know where their representative was. He wasn't really doing much of anything. Um, and we, a lot of people have complained about a legislature that is beholden to special interest in party politics. So because everyone's listening to, well, this is what the Republican Party says, so this is what I'm going to follow, or the Democratic Party, this is what I'm going to follow, um, people get ignored at the end of the day, the average everyday person and their concerns. And that's really why I'm running to bring back transparency to our district, to, feel, to make the people heard of our district, and to give them the power. So how does how does that practically achieved in, in Harrisburg, you know, versus what's happening now? I, I don't think that I, as a resident of the 187th, know what my state representative should be doing for me. So what would you do for me, um, and, and you know, how do I reach you? Right. So. Um... My whole campaign has been focused on this idea of power for the people um, because we've seen special interests, party politics has controlled and basically dominated the stage of politics and government. Um, a number of those changes are going to have to be legislative to bring the power back as well as the representatives themselves. So we need someone like myself who's running, should I be elected, I want to be transparent. I want to be available in my district. I want people to know that they can reach out to me at any time and I'm going to assist them, I'm going to listen to them. A number of legislative things like ending gerrymandering, tackling corruption, getting big money out of politics are going to be steps that are needed to be taken to give that power back to the people so they're in control once again. What do you feel the issues and concerns are of the 187th district? What are you hearing as you go about connecting with people in this district? And, and is the 187th kind of homogeneous? Do people want the same thing pretty much all over? Or? So the 187th is a very interesting district. Um, most of it is very rural, uh, mostly conservative. A, a majority of the registered voters in the district are Republican. Um, the Berks County portion has a significant Democratic stronghold, but it's Lehigh County that maintains that Republican stronghold, and that is the area that I've been focusing on as a candidate significantly. I know the Democrats are fired up in this election, they want to go out, but 
can we get those on the fence Republicans and independents to go out and vote? So what are some of their issues? Property tax has been a huge issue. We have a lot of homeowners in the district, a lot of developments, uh, farm owners, landowners in the area, and their biggest concern is I can't pay my property taxes anymore. Um, it's becoming too expensive. As you can imagine, let's say, don't matter how old you are, let's say you built up your livelihood at your home or your farm, you know, say it was passed down from generation to generation, you've already paid that off, you own that. But because you're paying essentially rent to the government, you might lose all of that at the end of the day. So I have pledged as a candidate because of the issues of my voters in the district to sponsor House Bill 76, which is the Property Independence Act uh, that would eliminate property taxes and streamline the way funding is for schools in a different way, in a much more effective way. So it's no surprise to anybody listening because you mentioned you recently graduated from college. You're a young person. I am. <laughs> so you, you feel you're fairly typical of your peers? I, I do and I don't. I think it depends on what it is. When it comes to the issues and the frustrations in government and politics, absolutely. Um, you know, students, especially after the 2016 election and even during it, were fed up, right? You know, we had this whole dichotomy of the Bernie versus Hillary. Meanwhile, Trump was over there getting all this support while the Democratic Party was being divided by progressives and moderates within the party. And a lot of those young people fall within the progressive platform. And I share and I empathize with them on a lot of those issues, you know, whether it be funding for higher education, better jobs, um, addressing student debt, LGBT rights, women's rights, immigration, those are all things that are very, very important to them right now. Um, I just wish young people would be a lot more motivated to go out to the polls, but that's why I'm running, right? Now there's a young person who is willing to represent their voices, and I'm willing to be that person. Hopefully this election I can invigorate them enough to go out and vote and give us young people a seat at the table. So I guess you've pretty much answered my next question, which is how do you energize them to vote and participate, and I guess by setting the example mm -hmm. and by being someone there that they can recognize. But how does a candidate reach them? You know, how do you reach to them? Obviously, this it's a little easier for you because you're of the age group, but you know, there are very there are a lot of very good candidates out there running alongside you for other offices and, and how do they reach out? Because you go canvassing and you call, usually you you have a house mm -hmm. and So, social media has been key to getting the word out, especially with peers and younger people today. Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook are huge with young people. Um, if you really want to get the word out, that's the, one of the best ways to do it. Doing texting, uh, mass texting to students, to young people has been very, very helpful. I've noticed people my age don't like answering a phone call, and they certainly don't like someone knocking at their door. So they like very indirect ways of reaching them, whether that be a text, social media, and you have to be creative in the way that you reach out to them. Obviously, when you're sitting with someone who wants to hear about your policy issues, wants to be a little more informed, you're going to direct that to a certain way. But with young people, they want something short, they want something sweet to the point. What are you standing for? What are you going to support? Why should I vote for you? Um, and doing that in creative ways. I was at Kutztown University with the Kutztown Dems, and uh, the president has a Donald Trump suit. So, you know, it attracts attention um, of the students. So, yeah. 
Let's go back to issues a little bit. You know, you list gerrymandering as an issue that needs to be resolved. And what's your vision for, for doing something about it? Because that keeps coming up and up. And I am also aware that in order to do something about gerrymandering, you need to go through two cycles of um, submitting the bill and, and having it voted on. So it sounds like a very lengthy uh, process. How do you make sure that it keeps going? Because it seems like there's a lot of energy behind it, but it hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah, the problem is it keeps getting stalled in things like committees and not put, really being pushed forward by people who should be supporting it. So obviously, should I get elected, I'm going to push a bill forward that outlines an independent citizens commission um, that would be tasked with redistricting. The 2020 census is coming up very, very quickly, and that means our redistricting process is also going to be coming up. So we want to give the power back to the people as far as voting districts and making sure that their legislator is not choosing who's voting for them, but rather everyday citizens who are qualified under the bill that would be passed to serve on this Independent Citizens Commission. That's what I'm really supporting. Fair Districts PA is a really great advocacy group that's been kind of outlining what a bill would look like, and it's already been introduced a couple of times, um, but as a representative, I have pledged myself to really push it forward and make sure that it gets done before 2020 um, happens. And uh, what about, say, campaign finance, campaign finance reform? How do you stand on that? Yeah, so another thing I've talked a lot about in my campaign is this idea of holding legislators accountable. And some of that can be found under the Anti-Corruption Act, should it be introduced. Uh, basically what it will do is it will get dark money out of politics, so that way politicians aren't relying on big corporations or special interests to fund their campaigns, instead relying on their everyday voters to give them funding. Um, the other thing is making sure that lobbyists can't donate to our legislators because when they do that they're influencing the legislators vote so that bill will outline um, that and the whole idea of the anti-corruption act is bringing greater transparency to campaign finance so again taking dark money out and making sure that the people are the ones that are really supporting these campaigns is that something that you, you feel right now as a candidate it's a bit of an uphill battle for you um, yeah, so because I started so late, you know, obviously I faced challenges raising money there, but because I pledged myself not to take from corporations, not to take from special interests, the money that I rely on is essentially the everyday person just saying, I really want to support you, I want to be there. Um, and I've only been using my money to really get my name out. Um, I've found that I don't need a lot of money to get the word out. I think I've gained a lot of momentum in a short period of time without having to raise substantiated amounts of money. So how do you tackle voters who are either independent or want to be independently minded, you know, sort of feel like they're incorruptible, so the regular sort of campaign materials, flyers, ads, whatever, they don't listen to, they want to go out and get the information. How do they go out and get the information? And you were mentioning, especially, you know, people your age and millennials who don't like to be directly addressed. They mm -hmm. want to say, well, it's out there, and now I need to do something about it. So what do they do? Right, and, that, and that's been a significant problem. You know, even for local and small state level candidates, there's not a lot of information out there about them. But 
There are lots of helpful voter guides out there. I know Vote PA is one. Uh, the League of Women Voters has a very, very great uh, voter guide. Of course, the representatives had to fill it out, but I made sure that I filled out both of those voter guides substantially with information in my stances because that's a great way indirectly for people to find out information. Having your website and information available, contact, uh, how people can get in touch with you is very important to me, at least as a candidate. I want to give you a chance to sort of get your message out and, and tell constituents why they would be better off being represented by you. So I'm a young person with a lot of energy. Um, I believe that you know there's time for change and the time for change is now. If you feel like your voice hasn't been heard, if you feel like you've been ignored um, by your current representation, you, you want someone who, to represent you who's going to represent your values and your interests, who's not going to play the party politics game, I am that candidate. Yes, I'm the Democratic candidate for state representative, but I'm here to listen to the concerns and issues of every single person in this district, not just play, you know, party politics and say, oh, Democrats are doing this, Republicans are doing this. It's time to listen to the people. So if you want someone like that, then I need your support in the upcoming election. Thank you, Michael Blihar, for your insight Thank and vision. Thank you so much for having me. The voters appreciate the commitment you're making to this community and to the country. We're honored to have you as a guest on the Ignite the Valley podcast and tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you or where they can donate to your candidacy. Yes, so if you want to uh, get in touch with me or donate, I would direct you directly to my website. So it's www.votebleharjr.com and you'll find all the information on there about donating either online or by check, as well as all the other information about our campaign. Do you have a Facebook page or we Instagram? We do. So if you look up uh, Vote Blihar on Facebook and Instagram, so it's just at Vote Blihar, you'll find all our information on there. I'm very active on social media, so it's one of the best ways to follow me. I, I do a Mondays with Michael session every Monday, um, so voters have a chance to talk with me about issues. So what time? Uh, this upcoming Monday, it's at 1 p.m. 1 p.m. On Facebook Live. Fantastic. We hope that you were, we were able to convey relevant information to you that makes a difference to you and your community. Every vote counts, so get out and vote this November 6th. This is Emmanuel Van Vliet. Thanks for tuning in and urging Democrats to get out and ignite the cause. <laughs>